0: As you probably already know, we have been spending quite a bit of time studying the second epistle of Paul to the Corinthians and have completed that study, but I'm still lingering over one closing application that I really think is important, and therefore I'm taking the time to drive that home before we move on to our next book study in 1 Thessalonians. And as Paul closed out that second Corinthian epistle, he made a statement that I don't find anywhere else in all of the 13 epistles of Paul, but here it is, and it's a very important one, when he said in verse 8, For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. We are unable to do anything against the truth. Well, why not, Paul? Surely you can If you want to, but that's the point. He doesn't want to. That gets into a whole discussion of the question of the human will and the freedom of the will and so forth, but that's the whole point. Paul's spiritual life was such that he had no desire to do anything against the truth of God's Word, but his wholehearted desire was to do everything in accord with the truth of God's Word. And therefore, he puts it in these words, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth, that is, everything that is for the truth, everything that is regulated by the truth, the Word of God. And so, Paul is telling us that his whole life is regulated by truth And by implication, he is suggesting, it's more than a suggestion, but he's not making a command here to others, he's simply making a statement for himself. It's a word of testimony, but oh, what an example, what a powerful testimony, what a convicting testimony. And he is thereby telling us that our lives also need to be fully regulated by truth. And that's what we're talking about, how important that is and how to make that happen. So thank you for joining me on this Tuesday, January 23. Thank you for helping us with the financial costs of this station. So application number one is that we, like the Apostle Paul, need to have lives that are regulated by the truth, and to do that it's necessary that we know the truth, and to know the truth that's necessary that we give attention to the truth. By reading God's Word, and by studying God's Word, and by being under the ministry of God called, equipped, and gifted teachers who teach us the Word of God, because this doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You know what that is, don't you? The automatic process that that leaves and plants do by taking in sunlight and taking in the um, elements, and, the, and they just it just happens automatically because God designed it that way, and. Sometimes people think that the spiritual life is like that. It just sort of happens automatically. Well, yes and no. The Holy Spirit of God, who is within every true believer, is going to work in the life of that believer to keep nudging him, convicting him, pushing him to grow in grace and knowledge. So, in that sense, I suppose you could say it happens automatically, but the fact of the matter is, what is the Holy Spirit doing? He is nudging us, convicting us, commanding us, exhorting us to get into the Word, and that requires something on our part. Yes, it requires the work of the Holy Spirit to give us that desire and to keep prompting us when we become negligent, that, in a sense, is automatic if you're truly a Christian. And if that's not happening in your life, then maybe you're not. But what the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do is to take the actions, make the determinations, do those things that are necessary for you to take God's Word into your mind and into your heart so that you know the truth, so that you can have a life regulated by the truth. You can't do everything for the truth and nothing against the truth if you don't know what it is. And so many people don't. We have a generation of Christians who are woefully ignorant of God's Word, and there's a lot of reasons for that. So that takes me then to the second lesson. The first one is that every Christian needs to have a life regulated by truth and whatever that takes in your life to make that happen so that you know the truth. But the second lesson is that pastors have a responsibility to teach the truth to their people. That's what the pastor's primary job is, to teach God's Word to the people that God has entrusted to their care. Pastors are to be teachers. I quoted that text in Ephesians 4 on the broadcast yesterday. And Christ gave to the church some apostles. I'm certainly not an apostle. Some prophets. I'm certainly not a prophet. Some evangelists. And I'm not an evangelist. And some pastor teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's that pastor-teacher function that I'm talking about now. What is a pastor's main responsibility? It is to teach God's Word to God's people. A pastor's main responsibility is not to evangelize. Ah, but you say, Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Well, Timothy was not a pastor when he told him that. What was Timothy? Timothy. I would suggest to you that Timothy was an evangelist. An evangelist is one who has an itinerant ministry. Paul was an apostle, but he was an evangelist. And Timothy was not an apostle, but he was an evangelist. And we call them missionaries today. That's the closest parallel to the concept of evangelist in the Bible. And what Paul was telling Timothy was, be faithful to your appointed responsibility. God has called you to be an evangelist, so do the work of an evangelist. And if Paul were talking to a pastor, he would say, do the work of a pastor. And what is that? It is primarily teaching God's Word and holding Christians, church members, accountable for God's Word in their lives and holding them accountable for sound doctrine in their lives. And that takes perseverance, and it takes patience. Growing in grace takes time, and we have to be willing to give people that time. It's, it's one of the wonderful aspects of pastoring is to see people growing in grace and some people grow so quickly that you're just astounded. It's kind of like that that uh, plant that grew up to give shade to Jonah in the last chapter of the book of Jonah. That, that plant just grew up in a day and provided shade for Jonah. And then God sent a worm and it died in, in another day. And there's a whole lesson there, but I don't want to get into Jonah right now. But obviously, that was a miraculous act of God, because plants don't normally grow that quickly, but that one did. And there are some Christians that grow so rapidly, you really wonder, is it possible that that person's only been saved for six months? They already know God's Word better than many Christians that have been saved for decades. But, though not everybody grows at the same pace, every true born-again believer grows. And I will be honest to say, there have been people in our church that, for a while, I wondered: Are they really born again? Their their growth, their development, their their um, change of life is is so slow. But when you pastor the same church for a long time, you have the opportunity to see growth and change in people that maybe for a while you didn't think you were seeing it. But sure enough, it, it comes, it appears, it's evident, it's, it's so encouraging, so delightful. It, yes, 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 it's there. Changes have occurred. Spiritual life is evident. Growing interest in God's Word is apparent in this person's life. It was slow, but it's there. It takes time, sometimes several years before you can be really sure that that's what you're seeing, but what a joy it is when you do see that, and as I say, that's one of the joys of the pastorate, and that's one of the joys of a an extended pastorate. I know God doesn't call everybody to the same thing, and I'm not suggesting The pastors who leave one church to go to another one are never led by God to do that. But I'm just saying that if you, as a pastor, pastor this church for two or three years, and then you move on to another church for two or three years, and then you move on to another church for two or three years, you're going to miss out on a lot of what I'm talking about right now. That is, teaching God's Word patiently and consistently and faithfully, and seeing the fruit of that in the lives of people over time. What a joy that is. And even as I'm saying these words, in my mind, I'm seeing the faces of certain people in our congregation that fall into the category that I was just talking about. For several years, I wondered, is that person truly born again? But now I have no doubt because if I could describe to you the, the changes that I have seen, I'll, I'll t- tell you about one man who, who attended church regularly over a period of time, though he was mostly only present on Sunday morning, and had come to our church many years ago because of a family connection in our church, but he worked a grueling job was on the road a lot, worked long hours, and didn't really have the time to give to his growth and spiritual spiritual hunger and taking in God's Word the way that he needed to and the way he should, and I, I'll leave that between him and God as to whether he should have found a different job that would enable him to do that or not. But here's what I saw. When he retired, wow, it didn't take long, because now he was in church every time the doors were open. Now he was taking in God's Word. Now he was he was rested enough to be able to benefit from the services when he was there. His job was so demanding that even when he was in church, a lot of times he was tired and had a hard time in, in taking God's Word. But now things have changed in his circumstances, and whoa. Look at that man grow. In fact, I think a lot of the word that he was exposed to over those previous years was there all along, and it just sprang forth. It's kind of like seed that's in the ground but doesn't get any water, no rain for a long period of time, and then comes the rain, and things really begin to sprout. And what a delight that is. So pastors, don't get discouraged. Don't be weary and well-doing, but keep preaching and teaching God's holy word. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.